Hey, if you really want to make money, just do something meaningless. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, our business partners today are Fresh Books and Casper. I'll be telling you about our friends there in a little bit. Well, this is 48 Days Radio Show, where each week we take about 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions. Today, we're going to do that kind of focused on one particular question. I teased this last week. Had somebody who really believes that to make money, you have to do something meaningless. Well, if you think we're going to let that stay, you haven't been listening to this podcast very long. I think we can get around that. We'll be looking at that. But some of the questions in this one guy's question really are, I have a near hatred toward people that talk about enjoying their lives and their work. Work seems to be a burden for the whole lot of us, with the only driving hope being the idea of more money one day. Nothing that has purpose makes a profit, and nothing that makes a profit has purpose. To make money, you have to do something meaningless at best. All right, get ready. We're going to go through some good news, as we always do to start with, then we're going to come back and kind of unpack this gentleman's questions. Now, Winston Churchill has a quotation that we're going to use that's a little longer than most, but it's one I really want us to kind of let seep in here as it relates to this topic. Winston Churchill said, To each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing, unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. So what we're going to be looking for as we unpack this today is what are you doing now? Have you experienced that special moment when you were tapped on the shoulder? But then what are you doing now that blends passion, talent, and money? That's a three-legged stool. Without any of those three, the stool is going to fall over. Passion, talent, and money. Don't apologize for wanting all of those. Those are necessary components. No question about it. Well, been talking about some national holidays that correspond with days here in August. This is August 10th. Guess what today is? This is National S'mores Day. A lot of you remember that. It may be something you did as a kid where you get around the campfire and you have, you know, the ingredients, chocolate, marshmallow, and graham crackers. So today's National S'mores Day. Celebrate it any way that you want. I recently was sent a package from Eskinosi Chocolate. It's a real high-end chocolate where we send gifts from there to our special clients and friends. And they sent me a package of a new one they have, and it's s'mores. It's outrageous. Not even They didn't even attempt to put it together in bars. It's just clumps of the combination chocolate, marshmallow, and graham cracker. Just in a delightful uh, array. Well, let me tell you about our, our 
business partners today, FreshBooks being one of those. You hear me talk about them off and on here. It's because they have a simple cloud accounting software that's great for you to use, whether you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, if you have a big company, or if you're an employee working somewhere, or if you're just running a household. I mean, those are all things where it's appropriate to have. What are you doing? What are you doing to keep your accounting, keep your books straight? So do you need to send your accountant a quick summary of the amount of tax you've collected last year? How about pulling together a profit and loss summary? I mean, FreshBooks can generate these reports in seconds instead of the hours it would take you to do them manually. Another thing is, and I just, uh, just this morning shot an invoice to somebody. Now, this is a little interesting because with FreshBooks, it shows you when it was opened. And it was opened over 90 days ago. And the person who received it, this is a company, this is a major company, it's not just an individual, major company says, well, gee, we don't have any record of that, would you send it again? Well, I'm happy to send it again, but uh, I know that that's not really an accurate uh, telling of the story, because it shows that it was opened over 90 days ago. You can do that, hey, you can do that and more, just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and are 48 days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's going to give you a free 30-day unrestricted trial. Just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days, enter 48 days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Now, other business partner today is Casper. You know what that refers to? If you've been listening to any length of time at all, that's the mattress that Dan and Joanne Miller sleep on. Casper, I mean, we're told that you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you ought to be comfortable. The experts at Casper have worked tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. I've been dealing with a little back issue. been going to the chiropractor and have a massage therapist come by regularly, just dealing with a little thing that I'm trying to get under control. Oh my goodness. What I, you know, during the day, there's some pain. What I look forward to is hitting the bed at night, knowing the Casper is going to give me just the right kind of balance and support to get a good night's sleep. Can't imagine what I would do without that. Well, they have over 20,000 reviews, an average of 4.8 stars across places like Amazon and Google. Casper's becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Affordable prices, you hear me talk about that, she cuts out the middleman. You're buying directly from the manufacturer, so you're not going through a distributor with a fancy building somewhere. No, you just go on, pick out the mattress you want, order it, it's delivered right to your door in a box. I know it seems unbelievable, but it, that's the way they come. So get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash sleep you love. You hear us talk about work you love. This is sleep you love. So get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash sleep you love and then using sleep you love at the checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you go to that site, you'll see it pop up right away. A welcome to our 48 Days listeners. Thank you to Casper for being one of our business partners. Well, let's go through some good news things here. Uh, this is kind of cool. I recently... I did a presentation to a group of people where I talked about sheep and goats, kind of from a spiritual perspective, but uh, interesting unpacking of that. I may do that in a, in a podcast at some point, but I've always been uh, intrigued by what goats do. Well, guess what? You know, we hear a lot about the wildfires out west, the wildfires that are just destroying acres and acres. 
Goats, they say, are a surprising solution to saving a country from wildfires. Now, this is in Portugal, where they got herds of goats that are wandering around. You know, they seem may seem like just kind of an innocuous part of the scenery, but they're actually performing a very important job for the government as a means of preventing any more wildfires from ravaging the landscape. Portugal is now financing dozens of goat herds to munch away at the dry vegetation that helps wildfires to flourish. Goats are an environmentally friendly way of keeping greenery in check, and they're stunningly good at it. Additionally, the government help, funding helps support goat herders and farmers in rural parts of the country. Uh, there's a 61-year-old goat herd farmer named Daniel Fernandez. He described how his goat herd saved his family home in 2004 when wildfires crept in on the trees surrounding the residence. But because the goats had already eaten and trampled the grass surrounding their home, the flames left them unharmed. So Portuguese government has taken additional measures for wildfire prevention. Uh, They've added more firefighters, but the main thing they're doing is adding goats. You know, this is not just some uh, poor third world country thing. You can check this out. I mean, New York City and San Francisco are also using goats to clean up inner city areas susceptible to fires. The goat clearance scheme is one of the key reasons the Bay Area hasn't had a recurrence of a catastrophic fire in decades, says Tom Klatt, former manager of the Office of Emergency Preparedness at UC Berkeley. Well, cool kind of idea. Some Some things are pretty obvious, and uh, solutions that are obvious, and we we try to get sophisticated, uh, fancy, complicated solutions when uh, kind of a simple solution. Get some goats. may prevent fires. Well, that's pretty cool. Well, here's when Dolly Parton quietly gives away 100 millionth book for her child reading program. Now, this just happened. Dolly Parton was honored by the Library of Congress to mark a little-known milestone in her life, the 100 millionth book that she has quietly donated to children. The nation's library in Washington, D.C. highlighted the singer-actress's nonprofit Imagination Library, which she began more than 20 years ago with the goal of giving books to kids around the world. Of all the things I've done in my life, it's been a lot because I've been around a long time. This is one of the most precious things and the proudest I am of any program, Dolly told the gathered audience of kids and adults. She engaged the audience during the celebration they just had in Washington, D.C. by reading and singing, uh, sang her children's book uh, created from her song, A Coat of Many Colors, about a child who treasured a coat that her mama quilted from rags. Well known by children who received her gifts as the book lady, she started the program to honor her father who couldn't read, yet she says was the smartest man she ever knew. God, I love that. My grandchildren are recipients of books from the imagination library i mean it's at this point we just kind of take for granted that it's available but it started by dolly parton because she wanted to encourage kids in the appalachian area to read knowing that she had a lot of family members who themselves could not read and now i've given away a hundred million books what a legacy that is well here's a note this i've seen this in several places but it's sent to me by chris capel podcast listener homeless man this is a great one and i'm going to move from this then into our question for today homeless man hands out resumes instead of asking for money gets hundreds of job offers now this is a real story just happened instead of asking for money a homeless man in california stood on the side of the road and handed out resumes now he has his pick of hundreds of new jobs david gasarez 
a web designer, moved to Silicon Valley to start his own company. But he fell on hard times when funding for that company ran out in June and his van was repossessed. He ended up sleeping on a park bench on Friday. So now he had some skills, but I mean, that's true of a lot of people who are out of work. They have clear skills. So he had skills as a web designer. And, you know, even even that, I mean, that doesn't make you stand out in a crowd because there's a whole lot of people that do. But that's what he did. So on Friday, he put on his best suit, stood on a highway median, holding a sign, reading homeless, hungry for success. Take a resume. So he didn't say, I'm hungry. You know, give me some food or give me a dollar. He said, I'm hungry for success. Take a resume. Well, the sign caught the attention of a passerby, took it to Twitter putting a post uh, up with a photo of this guy and his resume. And she said, today I saw this young homeless man asking for people to take a resume rather than asking for money. If anyone in the Silicon Valley could help him out, that would be amazing. Well, that tweet quickly went viral and was retweeted more than a hundred thousand times. Now, since Friday, David, this young guy says he's received more than 200 job offers from companies including tech giants like Google, Netflix, and LinkedIn. I mean, do something unusual. If you're stuck, don't just look at the ads on monster.com or LinkedIn or wherever and, you know, send a resume and hope that somebody picks up the phone and calls you. Do something creative. Do something interesting. I mean, golly, this is not very high tech. Uh, the guy's in uh, high tech industry, but he made a sign that said homeless, hungry for success, take a resume, and just handed out resumes. That got attention. He had over 200 job offers. Unbelievable. And you can can check up on that. You can Google it, find that, and find where he decided to go to work. That's an interesting story in and of itself. But we don't have time to unpack all of that. But those are good news stories for today. Send us, shoot your good news stories in or things you I think I ought to mention on here. Just send those to askdan at 48days.com. And an email, just a special email for questions you may have, success stories, things you want to share like that. Ask Dan at 48days.com. Well, the theme that we're looking at today then is if you really want to make money, do something meaningless. Now, this is the email that I got. Young guy's name is Nick, but this is the email that I got. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the follow-up. Then we're just going to unpack it for a little bit. I mean, we're, this is a short podcast, but uh, we, we can't go all the way in depth. But I'm going to give you some things to think about if this is something that rings a bell with you. If you've had that thought that your work is meaningless or that you have to compromise purpose in order to make a profit, that those two don't go together. I mean, you, you may identify, I know a lot of you do. That's why I picked this one. This is very common. It's a common question, and you'll notice that in my response to him. But he says, Dan, I recently started listening to your podcast, and I enjoy it, and I like you, but I have a near hatred toward people that talk about enjoying their lives and their work. Most of my clients are wealthy Christians that have meaningless jobs. My company doesn't benefit people either, I guess, remodeling homes for people that don't need it. Other people I know that try to do something meaningful either do it for free or don't make much money doing it. Work seems to be a burden for the whole lot of us, with the only driving hope being the idea of more money one day. Everyone talks about purpose and passion and serving and all that garbage, but their jobs don't do anything for anyone um, except take money and make money. 
even your thing. I'm sure it's nice if people feel helped along the way, but that comes secondary to you getting paid, right? Nothing that has profit, nothing that has purpose makes a profit, and nothing that makes a profit has purpose. If there are any exceptions to that, I would like to know. Even doctors and lawyers that try to do good can barely make a living. To make money, you have to do something meaningless at best. He continues, you seem sincere, but doesn't it all come down to money? Aren't you driving at the point that if people will pay you to help them find their calling, it will make them more money? It seems like there isn't much else that people live for. I'm not quite sure why anyone does anything, but it's pretty clear that in America, at least, most people's jobs and lives are pointless. Before I share my response and Nick's clarification, and we go into the, I want to read another note that I found. This was not written to me personally, but I want to read it because it has so much similarity. And then I'll tell you where I found the note. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their, all their, days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Doesn't that sound extremely like Nick's note? Yes, it does. This is not a new concept. People have felt this through the ages. What I just read comes from the Bible, Ecclesiastes 2, verses 17 to 23. Work is meaningless. You know, if you're really going to make money, do something that is meaningless. It doesn't matter anyway. You know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Most people's jobs and lives are pointless. Well, I wrote back to Nick immediately. I said, wow, I love your questions. And they capture the essence of what thousands of others are asking as well. You know, when we, when I, I mean, we get a lot of uh, engagement with listeners here and I love that. And not everybody has figured this out. When we start off the, when we start off the intro And it's, you know, can you find work that you love? Do you think that it's possible? And I go through that little intro that we have after taking care of business at the top of the show each time. I mean, there are people who listen, who are working on that. Not everybody is all the way there. I mean, it's a process for all of us to continue that. It's an ongoing process for me to continue that. But there are times when I get very pessimistic notes from people who say they don't think it's possible. To, come, to have work that you love. They don't think it's realistic and they can give a lot of reasons for that. Family history, disabilities, personal challenges, circumstances, scripture. I mean, I get a lot of scripture used against my theories about enjoying work and life. Well, that's a topic for another day as well. But I wrote to Nick. I said, I love your questions. They capture the essence of what thousands of others are asking as well. I want to unpack it more in this week's coming 
podcast. Can you tell me a little bit more about your own history? What is your role at your company? What kind of work have you done in the past? How old are you? Have you ever had a desire to do something that you thought had a clear purpose, even if it would not make much money? Well, he responded right away. He said, Dan, I didn't expect to get a reply. So it's very cool to get one. I'm 42, married with two sons, four and five, lifelong Bible studying Christian. Um, he owns the company, the remodeling company, along with his wife. I've always done high-end residential modeling and construction uh, the most fulfilling thing I've ever done is to share the practical application of God's power and grace to people as lost and broken as I once was. We've tried to help people in our business, and it's left us bitter and the client only clamoring for more free stuff. When my focus is business and making money, I'm miserable. When my focus is helping people, we seem to end up broke. I suspect the answer is simple, serve God and people, but I want a good life for my family too. Thanks again. Wow, I love how he engaged uh, in that, in the question and, and looking for what is it that will bring these things together, will give him some kind of release in this. Now, when we use the term purpose, I want to talk about this a little bit. When we use the term purpose, I'm going to combine that with, with passion as well. So if you know your purpose, then you're passionate about doing that work. I mean, I unpacked this some in, in wisdom meets passion, but passion helps you get more done in less time and it helps you make better decisions with less stress and indecision. When you know your passion and have work that expresses that passion, you become a magnet for others, people who are willing to hitch their wagon to your enthusiasm. You know, that's so true. My goodness. You look at somebody like, um, you know, like our buddy Dave Ramsey, who is so passionate about helping people avoid debt. And the crippling things that come with that. Well, he has hundreds of people that would you know, give their right arm to work there because it's a place that is full of that passion. And when you're clear in your passion, you do attract other people who want to be connected. They want something that makes a difference, something they can care about. I mean, you'll become a lightning rod, not only for your efforts, but you'll focus the talents and abilities of those around you. Your work will be magnified with little effort People want to be connected to something big, something that'll make a difference. Now, here's the other part. Working on your own without passion is exhausting. Your best efforts cannot stop the slow drain of energy in life. You don't get the strength of those around you. You have a big leak in your own bucket. I mean, without a clear purpose or passion in the work, yeah, it's, it's like a hole in the bottom of the bucket. Your work is exhausting. I mean, that's why so often we, we hear from people who may, maybe they got fired or they decided to quit their work. They started, decided to start something around. So they went from working 40 hours a week to working 60 hours a week. And here's the amazing part. They're not tired. They have more energy. They're doing more on the weekend. They're doing more with their family because doing something that you're passionate about with a clear purpose energizes you. It just, it just goes together. If you don't have a clear purpose, your work is going to be really, really draining. And if you feel that way about your work, it's probably not connected to a clear purpose or your passion. Now, back in the second century, St. Arrhenius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Now, kids today, I mean, you look around, they're not content to just make a living. They want to be fully alive. And being fully alive implies a life that's connected to something beyond ourselves. 
than to be part of a movement or process that's going to expand our individual efforts and live on long after we're gone. Now, vocation, and this is another kind of a trifecta that I like to distinguish, vocation, career, and job. Those are three very different terms, although we tend to use them kind of interchangeably. But vocation is the big picture. What is it that you want to accomplish? You may want to bring clean water to people who don't have it, to start schools for kids who don't have access to schools, to just help hurting people live with joy and happiness. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that you might decide that you know about yourself that you're drawn to. There are times when, you know, you think about it and that's what you keep coming back to. So that's the big concept, vocation. Career then is a subset of that. Job is just the smallest component. I mean, I have a a cousin who is really passionate about the devastation that happens repeatedly, it seems, in Haiti. The things that happen there and the way that people suffer. He's very passionate about that. So did he decide to become a missionary, a pastor, evangelist, you know, to go help those people? No, he's very successful in the construction industry. He has flown airplanes full of supplies to Haiti 17 times where he knows what they need. He communicates with the people who are on the ground there because of his resources. He pulls things together takes profitability from work that he does. His work has a purpose because it fuels the things that he is more passionate about. That's another piece here. You don't have to have work that is just the total fulfillment of your passion, but if it's a fuel, if it's a tool to allow you to fulfill purpose and passion, then it has meaning in and of itself. So my cousin, Jim Miller, yep, been to Haiti 17 times taking supplies down there because his work was so successful. It allowed him to pour into his purpose and passion in that way. Again, our quotation for today, you know, from Winston Churchill to each there comes in their lifetime, a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder, offered the chance to do a very special thing unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy. If that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that, which could have been their finest hour. So in my cousin's situation, so a couple years ago, you know, with the hurricanes just devastated Haiti. Well, if he had done nothing to prepare himself in life, he would have been crippled. He would have been able to do nothing. But because he had spent years using his unique talents to build beautiful homes, profit from that, be in great shape financially, he was able to respond to that heartfelt need then when it arose, helping people out in Haiti. Well, let me kind of unpack this a little bit more. Passion, you know, well, money is never enough. I mean, we all want to make money, but money is not enough. I mean, I've worked with attorneys, doctors, dentists who are making extraordinary amounts of money and hate the life that they've created. There has to be more than that. There has to be a sense of meaning, purpose, and accomplishment in what we do. Money is secondary. It shows up. So does remodeling, could remodeling homes have a significant purpose? 
You better believe it in the way that I just described it. It may be secondary to the thing you do that really is a focus of your passion, but it could be the very fit thing that fuels that. So think about it, though. Does, does mowing lawns or serving at a restaurant or delivering the mail, do those have a purpose or are those just meaningless things to, to get a paycheck? Well, it has a lot to do with mindset. I mean, I'd sold used cars in California years ago right after I got my master's in clinical psychology, much to the dismay of Joy and my wife, instead of being a psychologist, I became a used car salesman because I, I was passionate about it. I loved it. I, it was a clear purpose. I loved helping people with that area of their lives where they had a need. And I would have elderly people come in because I was known for being trustworthy. I'd have elderly people come in and open their, their savings account book and say, this is how much money we have. You know, we need a car. Well, what an opportunity to take advantage of somebody if you're that kind of person, but what an opportunity to help somebody well and give them great value and protect their resources. But I I was on a radio interview some time ago and had a guy call in from Chicago and we were talking about this idea of doing work that you love. He works for the city and he fixes frozen pipes almost all year long. That's his primary specialty. He fixes frozen pipes. Now, I can't imagine anything more miserable than crawling around under a house in Chicago in January when it's 20 below zero. This guy says, man, I'm a hero everywhere I go. I go only to places where people have a really big problem. I mean, no water. That's a major problem in anybody's house. He says, I know how to fix it. I fix it. They think I'm a hero. I mean, how cool is that to have a job where every day people pat me on the back because I saved the day? That was his approach to fixing frozen pipes in Chicago. So another part of Nick's question is the first benefit of the work that I get paid for that I help somebody or that I get money. I mean, what, what is, if I'm helping people in the work that I do, finding work that they love, Is the first goal to get paid for that or is it to really help the person and see the reward of that? Well, I mean, that's a tricky kind of question. Do I enjoy being paid? Yeah, there's no question about that. I do. But here's my, here's my value proposition statement. This is my purpose statement. I help high potential individuals understand and apply their unique and most powerful talents and passions So they can make a larger impact, leave a legacy and thrive financially. That's my purpose. But now here's the deal. That's my purpose. Whether I'm talking to the waiter that we had at Waffle House last Friday night, delightful young guy, or if it's a gal who's just getting out of the Tennessee prison for women, or if it's an attorney who's making $450,000 a year, but feeling empty. That's still my purpose. And you can rest assured in those examples I just gave you. A gal just getting out of the Tennessee prison for women can't pay me $2. That's okay. That doesn't dilute my purpose and passion in helping her. If I think or Joanne thinks that that lady is in fact a high potential individual, that statement at the part of the thing doesn't mean somebody who's already got everything in the world by the tail. No, a high potential individual. And we spot those people in very 
beginning kind of positions often. And my passion about helping them is just as great as if somebody who is paying me a lot of money. So if I help people find their calling, is it always to help them make more money? No. There are a lot of times when I help people find their calling where they end up making less money. But if it's an alignment of their passion and talent, then it still feels like they just found home. If I give books away, which we do a lot, if we have, when we had somebody in, I think it was Kansas City recently, who has a program for women that are going from welfare to work, essentially, and wondered if I would, could help, you know, maybe suggest a low fee for some of my books and maybe even some other books that they could create kind of a library for those ladies. I said, oh my gosh, I'm thrilled you asked me. I have tons of books sent to me. I give away lots of books. I went back and went through. Now, I had a generous supply of my own titles, 48 Days to the Work You Love, No More Dreaded Mondays, Wisdom Meets Passion, Red of the Day, and all those. That's no problem. We love to give those. But I also went through other books that I had, and I created a library of like 60 or 70 books, great books on how to understand yourself, how to move into things that are meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. You know, how to find work that God has gifted you for. No problem at all. We put together an entire library for that organization. They were blown away. Did that compromise my profits in doing that? Is there some kind of, uh, uh, I wasn't being smart where I could have sold those books? Well, I probably could have, but that's just part of what we do. And when you look at the long tail of that action, who knows what those ladies are going to tell others. Who knows who may rise up out of there. There may be the next Oprah Winfrey out of that organization who remembers the books that Dan Miller donated that helped her get on that path. I mean, who knows what the long tail effect of that might be in ways that benefit me. And I've got lots of stories about that where I gave and gave and gave. And then the money showed. I mean, I gave. There was a church member that I helped out from a church in Florida years ago gave him the curriculum that I was creating for the Sunday school class I was teaching at our church. And he was surprised that I would give it so freely. I said, my goodness, if it helps you, just use it. Gave him all the resources I had. Well, because of that gentleman's business and things where he recommended me for other work, it generated, I I need to go back and really look at at a specific line, but it's probably in the range of $200,000 that I generated from that specific connection initiated by me just simply giving him generously everything that I had. Well, a calling, a clear purpose. It's not just for a chosen few. But if you don't know yours, it simply means you don't know it yet. It's there. It's waiting to be discovered. I believe that absolutely 100%. Everybody has a clear purpose. So here's, here's what I want you to do. I'll give you some things that help you in this. I mean, this is not just some elusive or we all hope for the road to Damascus kind of experience or you're going to go sit on a stump in the middle of a pasture and hope you get struck by lightning. Nah, not at all. You, you, can, you, you can do this. This is a doable process. And Wisdom Meets Passion of Jared and I unpack some tips in there. Passion is not identified while sitting doing nothing. Too often... People just want to somehow just sit and think. 
I mean, my I mentioned Eskenosi chocolate earlier. Sean Eskenosi, the owner of that, was a criminal defense attorney in St. Louis. Had never lost a case. He was extremely well known and extremely wealthy as a result of that. But knew that it was killing him. Knew that his soul was being sucked dry. He needed to get away from that. And he thought that it would just be a process of research to figure out the right answer. And then he'd do that. Well, it didn't come that way. Part of that process, he went to a monastery and spent some time. He thought if he could just, you know, somehow withdraw from everything, maybe he'd get enlightenment. There's a, his, his book, Meaningful Work, really unpacks what he did there. And I highly recommend that as a process if you're struggling. Meaningful Work by Sean Eskenosi. But um, it doesn't come, the clarity usually does not come from doing nothing. Now, one of the things that he did was started going to his local hospital in the palliative care units where people knew they were dying and he'd just ask for those names and he'd go sit with them, talk to them, hold their hand, pray with them. And it was in, he started getting little bits of clarity, but it was from doing things. So passion is typically not found while doing our normal routine. Yeah, you may have to take a break from the things you're doing regularly. Passion is found by being fully engaged in the game of life. Passion is found while pushing, exploring, testing, actively searching. So let me ask you this. Let's just look at the last month. We're we're here and we're kind of still at the beginning of August. But if you think about July, what are four or five ideas you had for a better job or starting your own business? Now, here's here's where I'm going to go with this. I've got some questions here. And if you don't have any answers, you really aren't preparing yourself mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually for discovering your passion. You ought to be having new ideas every day. So what were four or five ideas you had for a better job or starting your own business? What were three things you did to help somebody out with no expectation of payback? What are the books you read or listened to that enlightened your spirit, confidence, knowledge, and wisdom? How many hours did you spend in quiet contemplation? What are two or three things you did that you had never done before? Tell me about the concerts, the art exhibits, the seminars, workshops, or other enriching experiences you had. What were two or three things that you did to strengthen relationships that mean the most to you? Now, I can absolutely guarantee you that if you have answers to those questions, you also are getting clarity and insight on your purpose and passion. You want to look for that sweet spot where passion, talent, and money come together. Again, that's what we're looking for. Three legs on a stool, any one of those mission missing, and the stool is going to fall over. If you have passion and talent, for something, but there's no money, you have a hobby. I mean, I can introduce you to a whole lot of people here in Nashville, Tennessee, who are very passionate and very talented in music. They don't have a business. They don't have a career. They don't have anything. It's just a hobby. And they're hoping that somehow that's going to jump to being lucky. No, unless they create a clear model for generating money, it's never going to turn into anything but just a hobby. Not going to happen. I mean, look at people like, you know, Taylor Swift or Keith Urban or Luke Bryan. I mean, those, those aren't people who just, ah, they were good and somehow things, the stars just kind of align. No, those are people who are very intentional. You know, the things that Taylor's family did to position her in the right places 
doing the right things, getting you know, in front of the right people. That wasn't just a walk in a park. Very, very intentional. So look, where the, you, does your passion, talent, and money come together? I have a young client that I'm working with right now who uh, just lost his job. Now, he, he wanted out. He was a financial analyst and being paid well, but uh, pretty um, had a lot of unrest, existential angst, just not real happy, not fulfilled knowing that there's more, wanting to be more engaged with people, more involved in relationships rather than just manipulating figures all day long. So he knew it wasn't a good fit. And often, as is the case, when somebody knows that, it's pretty transparent. So the company came to him and said, eh, it's pretty clear your heart's not in this anymore. You know, let's just wrap this up. Uh, They did give him a nice severance package, Cobra coverage, some other benefits that are pretty cool. So he's okay with that. However, he's still taken aback because he thought he would leave on his own timeline, not theirs. So it really upped the ante on the necessity to figure this out. However, in kind of unpacking where he is, some of the things that he's doing, he shared with me that he loves, loves, loves golf clubs. He knows their history, he knows the companies, he knows the difference between, you know, driver and a wedge and all those things, which I certainly don't know, but that's an area of expertise for him. And this month, he'll make over $1,000 just buying and selling a few clubs. And he described it as being pretty easy to identify where the deals are and then just put them back up and it's pretty predictable what they're going to bring. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Is there the potential to take your passion and talent in that arena and take that $1,000 a month and 10 times it. If it's that predictable, and it's not taking you any time at all to do this now, if you really devoted your time to that, could you take that and make that your income? Well, there are some people in his immediate center of influence that think that's just kind of frivolous to do something you would just enjoy that much. But now what, what is meaningful work if it's not that combination of passion, talent, and money? And if you can take those and do something that would double the income you're likely to make in a traditional job. Is that a bad direction? Well, I don't think so. Well, we kind of wrap things up here. In talking to Nick, who, again, whose wonderful questions initiated this kind of unpacking. And the reason, obviously, is because there's a whole lot of Nick's out there. A whole lot of you send me questions that are very, very similar. I could share 50 questions that are very, very similar to Nick's, but it was such a good capturing of some significant points that I thought it worthwhile to just focus on this one. But Nick, I fully believe you can find meaning and purpose in your remodeling work and your desire to do good, to be compassionate, to help the less fortunate. It needs to be honored. But that may not have to be done in your remodeling work. Let me give you an example of that. Rather than giving somebody a $5,000 discount on a remodeling job and then finding them unappreciative, um, perhaps it's better to charge the full reasonable price and then take $5,000 where you and your family can sponsor a new school. When you could do that um, with Adam Braun through Pencils of Promise. And then you go as a family to visit the school in Uganda. I mean, how cool would that be? So your work becomes the fueling 
the tool, the provision for doing those things that really connect with your highest purpose, your vocation, your calling, your mission, your destiny. It's a tool, a vehicle to allow you to do that. Very reasonable approach. Now I'm going to send you copies of both 48 Days to the Work You Love and Wisdom Meets Passion. I address this probably more fully in Wisdom Meets Passion. We have a study guide to go along with that as well. I need to uh, get that up online. It's um, I've, I've got a fairly new developments in there, and I'm not even sure how we have that accessible, but I went and pulled it as I was thinking about responding to Nick's question. But I'm going to send you, Nick, copies of both 48 Days to the Work You Love and Wisdom Meets Passion. And for the rest of you, I'm going to be asking you that question. What are you doing now that blends your passion, talent, and money? Do you think that it's self-serving, that it's egotistical, that it's greedy to want those? Well, if you don't want those, I think you're going to be miserable in your work. You're going to feel like all you're doing is putting in your time for a paycheck. This is not self-serving, egotistical, and greedy. This is a process by which you fall right into that sweet spot for which God created you. You know, my Bible tells me, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Not just the basic needs and just enough to squeak by and pay the electric bill one more time. No, the desires of your heart. So it's healthy to look for what are you doing now that blends passion, talent, and money. That's a worthy process. You can do that. Go through some of the points that I outlined here to identify, to tap into your purpose and passion. You can do that. Break out of the norm. You may have to do some things unusual, but it's right there. Again, if you haven't discovered your purpose, it's not that it's non-existent. It's just you have not yet discovered it. And I want to encourage you, be diligent about discovering it. And you're going to join the rest of the ranks of this listening audience who absolutely believe 100% we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Hey, don't settle for less.